Welcome to the Highly Sensitive Podcast. I'm Lauren LaSalle, and I'm a licensed therapist, highly sensitive person, and HSP coach. This bi-weekly podcast covers information and tips relevant to HSPs, as well as interviews with HSPs and their loved ones. My hope for this podcast is to create a feeling of community, be a supportive place for HSPs, and normalize our experiences as highly sensitive people. Thank you so much for joining me, and let's begin. Welcome to the Highly Sensitive Podcast. I'm Lauren, and I am very excited to have another guest on the show today. Joanne Kim, LMFT, is an Enneagram and brain spotting therapist who helps people with an allergic reaction to anger. Many of her clients are the highly responsible, conscientious, and empathic types who find themselves frazzled, burned out, or resentful. Joanne helps them live from their flow state by tapping into the power of emotions. Joanne's flow state includes helping therapists build vibrant businesses, making cocktails, soap carving, and hammocking. And I will put all of Joanne's links so you can get in touch with her in the show notes. And she also mentions what they are at the end of our conversation. So check out the show notes for those links. I also want to remind you that if you have any ideas for episode topics or questions for me to answer on the podcast, or if you want to write an email sharing a story for me to read on the podcast, you can email all of those to me at lauren at laurenlasallecoaching.com. And you can find out more about my coaching program as well as resources and links to my social media by visiting my website at laurenlasallecoaching.com. And I have a free webinar called Self-Care for HSPs that is coming up on Thursday, February 16th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I know that's not an ideal time for everybody, or you might not be in the same time zone, so it might not work for you. But if you are interested in attending and you register, you will be emailed the link to the webinar once it is done. You can register for that at my website. There's a banner on the top. If you click that, it will take you to the registration page. So I hope to see you there. All right, here is my conversation with Joanne. So what was your experience like discovering that you are highly sensitive? I heard about it a couple years back during my pre-license years in therapy, and I think just the the lights went on and everything kind of clicked and made sense in terms of just how readily aggravated I get over sensory experiences, especially in my environment. Um, I used to label myself as being very asocial and withdrawn and things like that. I used to live with my in-laws for a good number of years, and I think just being in a household full of people with all these sounds, and they're very vivacious people, I think I just found myself like wanting to go like straight from, like coming home from work, going straight into my bedroom, turning off all the lights, like putting my earplugs in and just going into bed. And then I think that was socially interpreted as being very um, uh, non-community oriented. But I think once learning, once I learned that I was a HSP, I'd be like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And so then I would explain to my in-laws, I'm like, this is what's going on. And I think some of them are also HSP too. I think that's kind of what helped click. It was more of like, well, nowadays it's uh, more of, you know, I come home and this is just going to be the thing that I do for the first 10 minutes and then I'll come back out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, (laughs) yeah, that sounds really, I can't even imagine living with, I mean, like even my own parents again, let alone my in-laws. That sounds really tough as, as an HSP. 
Yeah, I well, fortunately, my in-laws are really great and they're emotionally fluent enough where I can kind of share like how I'm feeling and stuff and they're okay. It's more like the sensory experiences of just there being a lot of chatter I hear through the walls and pots and pans clanging and things like that. I think having agency over my own immediate space has been super helpful. Having my own office space was actually a huge plus for my own personal, emotional, and mental health because I get to control the space however I want to and add all kinds of very soothing features to it Mm -hmm. (laughs) in ways that I wouldn't have been able to at home. So, yeah. So I know Ella said this in the intro. um, So not only are you highly sensitive, but you are also a therapist who works with highly sensitive people. Um, Yep. So- What are some examples of how normal events can be traumatic for HSPs and kind of what can cause this to happen? Yeah, I like thinking about things through the lens of our nervous system in terms of how uh, overwhelmed it gets. And, you know, often when people think about reactivity, they think about the actions people do in response to being stressed but there's less a focus about how a person gets stressed to begin with. And so I would say like there is a general window by which we are supposed to be stimulated throughout the day, like the sun rises or like the coffee machine wars, et cetera. And generally we're supposed to take those stimuli and use them to kind of wake up and engage the day. It's just that for HSPs, that window is a lot smaller where we can get readily flooded all too easily. And non-HSPs, they're like, I don't even notice the difference. And so when that overstimulation happens for an extended period of time, it really wears away at the body, at the nervous system with cortisol, the stress hormones, like constantly coursing through our veins and whatnot. And cortisol has been shown to actually erode some aspects of our bodily function like it actually impacts some organs Um, and so it's kind of this um, like a deadly cycle where we get overstimulated more readily our bodies are under a lot of strain we make reactive decisions that often make hard things worse and then there's more strain and then it's kind of keeps spiraling through and so generally I define trauma more openly than other therapists might I don't just consider like those big dramatic events like a car crash or assault or things like that as trauma. I define trauma as any event, big or small, that gives people a very concentrated set of feeling out of control, feeling like they're in danger or feeling embarrassed. So that last piece um, would, I think, give a lot of people more empathy towards themselves You know, if like a person when they're growing up in their elementary school classroom gets called on by a teacher to answer a question on the board, some kids might be like, oh, this is super exciting. I could finally show off like what I can do, et cetera. And they answer the question on the board that's taken as a very positive experience. But for a lot of people, especially HSPs who are called on the spot, they weren't expecting it. Getting called on itself is very stressful on top of getting all this attention from everyone in the classroom, and then they might actually turn beet red, therefore also losing control over their own bodily experiences and be super embarrassed. They will be socially isolated or at least internally, that's how they would interpret it. That event 
which normally will be considered a very normal day-to-day experience, is a traumatic event. So later down the line, the person might have a lot of anxiety when it comes to giving presentations at work. These are the actual kinds of situations that I help my therapy clients with. I love that example because as you were talking about it, I started to feel anxious because I was one of those people (laughs) where if the teacher just called on me, I was, even if I knew the answer, I just, it was a total blank. Like I have no idea what's going on. I just, yeah, I feel all hot and like everybody's looking at me and like, I just kind of want to disappear. So I can totally relate to that. And I'm sure a lot of people will be able to as well. It's uh, being sensitive, not just towards like being put on the spot, but also other people's energies and emotions and also sensitivity towards one's own bodily functions. That's kind of like a triple quadruple dose of stimulation. So yeah, it will definitely lead people to shut down. Mm -hmm. And um, afterwards, having shut down, then there's a lot of the shame talk. Like, oh, like, why couldn't I be like Tommy? Or why did I do this? Like, I'm so dumb, et cetera. And that's adding like several extra layers. Mm -hmm. And I like how you define trauma too, because I think I've I've done that as well with my clients. Because yeah, I think a lot of people just think, oh, trauma is these big events that happen. But it really can be seemingly smaller events. Um, Just because it doesn't affect one person, you know, negatively doesn't mean that it's not going to really, really affect somebody else and have a lasting impact on them. So I really like that definition. Yeah. And uh, what I also like about that definition is that we can also flip it upside down to talk about what kinds of experiences helps an HSP heal or general person, but HSP is all the more so. Uh, And so if trauma is any experience, big or small, that leads a person to feel super out of control, super uh, in danger or embarrassed, then healing would be any experience, big or small, that helps a person feel like they're in self-control, that they're super safe and secure, and feeling seen, known, validated. And so I think, you know, finding ways to give ourselves more of those experiences on purpose, kind of integrating that to, to our, in our day-to-day lives is super important because in the same way that we would be bothered more readily by different things that come up, we could also be readily soothed then for non-HSPs. Right. So it goes both ways. That's the nice thing about it. Yeah. I think that's so interesting that like research has found that it's just a really kind of strange thing. I guess I I wouldn't have thought that that would be the case, but it is, I guess it's kind of, you know, sad in a way, but it's kind of nice also that even though we can be negatively affected by things more than the average person, we can actually be more affected by positive things too. Yeah. Eventually it kind of breaks even, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just that neutral stimulation, um, less so having like a moral charge of good and bad towards it. And so I think for that reason, those who are highly sensitive or are in relationships with HSPs need to be particularly attentive to noticing like things in our environment, like, you know, five senses, um, like bringing in more greenery, for example, like even those small things can have its own compound interest, if you will. It just kind of keeps snowballing so that, you know, even when a person comes home, if their environment is very soothing, 
then they can actually recharge a lot more quickly mm-hmm. than for someone who's not particularly paying attention and they're still getting aggravated along the way. Right. Yeah. I would say that the HSP trade prompts one to need more responsiveness and attunement and more intentionality to their daily experiences. I agree. And I've, I mean, now I have a six month old at home. So that's just another added layer on top of everything. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, as a new mom, you know, you hear, you don't have to keep up with the dishes and all of this. It's okay because you're busy, which I totally agree with. But on the flip side, if I don't, it stresses me out. If there's stuff all over the place, I like lose my mind. So I know (laughs) that for my own mental health, I also have to be very as much on top of dishes, laundry, cleaning up clutter as I can be. Um, Otherwise it's just, yeah, going to go rapidly downhill. So (laughs) yeah, it's not about being particular or about having high standards or whatnot. It's like, no, the alternative is I'm just going to be irritable all the time. Right. Yeah. This is the route. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We give our nervous systems a chance to like breathe more easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are some things, other things that we can do to help our nervous systems other than being really intentional about our surroundings? Yeah. So there are two approaches that I use most of the times in therapy. One is the Enneagram personality framework, but the other is called brain spotting, which originally uh, it is a derivative of EMDR, which is another trauma therapy technique. But brain spotting is actually what we do naturally, (laughs) just not on purpose. And so I would say, like, if you've ever seen, um, you know, a veteran who is back in civilian life and they're kind of sitting on a bench and they're staring off into space. That's an example of brain spotting. The, The person doesn't quite know that they're internally processing, but their lizard brain is definitely trying to metabolize some stressful things. Obviously, for veterans, they've gone through a lot, right? But HSPs tend to do that, staring off into space a lot more often. It's just that the idea of staring off into space is not socially acceptable. It's as if someone is like, you know, not engaged or disinterested or whatever. So often when someone is kind of sitting, staring off into space, the people around them are like, hey, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) In actuality, the person's brain is saying, no, I just need to like sit and do nothing and decompress. Hmm. So... What I recommend for, let's say, clients who come in, they find out that they're HSP or they've known for some time, but they're finding, they're wanting to know, like, how can I de-stress as soon as possible? I would say, give yourself permission to sit and zone out for at least five minutes, kind of uninterrupted. And the, the emphasis is on permission. Because often when we have those experiences, when we're kind of checked out, there's a lot of judgment and shame around it. And so when our body's actually trying to recover, when we bring in that judgment, then that actually sets up a whole bunch of triggers that ends up adding more stress than even before we start zoning out. And so I would say if a person can give themselves at least three to five minutes of zone out time throughout the day, great. Because let's say if a person does it like five minutes every hour, then the five minutes will help decompress whatever happened within that 55 minutes prior. And then again and again and again and again. And so 
um, really taking advantage of breaks. If let's say a person's work environment is not conducive to that kind of stuff, where let's say it's an open office and everyone's like talking all the time, then allow yourself, like excuse yourself to go to the restroom and then just sit there for a couple extra minutes so that you can have uninterrupted time where you can just allow your body to metabolize whatever's come up. Brain spotting traditionally is um, using specifically one's eye position uh, and like kind of zoning out while looking at that particular spot. It's just that a lot of people might do so accidentally where they're zooming in on a negative experience and end up ruminating. So my encouragement for people is that instead of focusing on what's bothering them, to scan their body, look for the most neutral or the most pleasant or grounding spot. And then while they're focusing on that spot, notice where their eyes naturally gravitate towards and then stare there for not too long because this is originally a therapy approach. So it really should be done with a therapist, especially when difficult things. But because our bodies reflexively do it anyway, it will be good for people to try try that on purpose. Mm-hmm. An idea with brain spotting is where you look affects how you feel. And so kind of hacking that towards HSPs. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And I'm guessing doing this might help with falling asleep at night. Cause I know a lot of us, if we have trouble falling asleep, it's because our brain won't shut off, so to say. Yeah. So I'm guessing if you give yourself breaks during the day to process things instead of leaving it all yeah. <laughs> to when you're trying to fall asleep, then it will help with the time it takes to fall asleep. Yeah. So focusing on a very soothe or relaxed part of your body, noticing where your eye kind of naturally drifts to and staring off in that place and just noticing whatever comes up. We don't have to analyze or anything. It's better that we don't analyze. Uh, Another uh, approach is to focus on what you would like to feel and thinking of either a time in your life, uh, like a memory, or if you don't have a particular memory, make up a scenario. So for some people, it might be like laying in a hammock with a cocktail in your hand. Um, like in front of the beach, but focusing on that until you experience the body sensations and then notice where your eye looks and then stare there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you can kind of use either of those approaches, no fancy equipment necessary. You can actually do this while you're laying in bed in the dark. So kind of a nice Mm -hmm. handy way to do so. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm going to try that. I've heard of brain spotting like through working, but I, I've never gone further than just hearing about what it is. So that's really interesting to learn about that. I'm glad you brought that. Yeah. Uh, because we don't have one brain, we have three and they are very much interconnected. And so if it's like, you know, someone having gone through a bad situation and they have negative emotions and their body shows it, right? Facial expressions or their posture or whatnot. But the reverse is also true as well. So when people actually simulate a posture that's associated with either positive or relaxed experiences, maybe even power power postures, like that's something that has been gaining more popularity nowadays, that can also affect how we feel on the inside. It's just that the highly sensitive person trait often is associated with um, social experiences of making oneself small or meek or gentle or quiet, caring, et cetera, I would actually even encourage HSPs to practice living as if they're non-HSPs, at least in their bodies. 
because that can actually create a different feedback loop. Yeah. I like that. I might encourage a non-HSPs to actually practice being like HSPs. So it goes both ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad you brought all of this to the podcast because I hadn't talked about some of these things before. So your expertise is, is much appreciated. This is a great space. I'm really thankful that you have this avenue for people to really learn more about themselves and take good care. Oh, well, thank you. So yeah. is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you wanted to make sure you brought up? The In terms of the five senses, one thing I uh, talk about with people is in noticing which of the five senses are your top two, like you notice it all too readily. They either bother you or they please you very easily. And then what are your bottom two senses? So for me, like I'm super easily affected by sight and touch. My bottom two senses are taste and smell. So it actually has been a very healing journey for me personally, because I used to dissociate a lot in actually tapping into those bottom two senses and trying to reconnect with my physical body. Uh, I happen to do so by making cocktails. So that's been a fun experience for me because I'm really focusing in on what usually takes more effort. Um, and that's helped me to connect with the present versus drifting away into wherever I tend to go in my mind and my feelings. So how can people connect with you? Yeah, so I have my website, allofmecounseling.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. I do also have a side business uh, called Intelligent Emotions. And that is an online course that where I help people find out how to navigate with their big feelings. Because often in, if we leave our big feelings as they are, they tend to spiral into a vortex. And so it's kind of like a self-paced course um, where people can find out that emotions are actually very logical and they actually have a system of their own. We're just not ever talk about it. And so <clears throat> those two things, all of me counseling or intelligent emotions, that's the name of the course. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I think a lot of people will benefit from what you shared with us. So thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the Highly Sensitive Podcast. You can help support the show by taking a minute to rate and review it, share a favorite episode with a friend, or go to patreon.com slash highly sensitive podcasts.